Usually, in most marriages, they didn't do it according to God's divine design and his owner's manual. It's not working. And they keep trying to make minor adjustments, which doesn't work. And I guess what we're encouraging you is, it's just, it may just be time to just go to Genesis 2.24 and just say, you know what? Let's just do, not not that we get divorced, but like, let's just start over. Let's like, if we were to do this right, what would this look like? And then make those practical adjustments. And we had to do that because we got it wrong. Um, Yeah. New marriage, same spouse. Yeah. And that's what a lot of times people say is, I need a new marriage. No, no, no. I need a new spouse rather. Yeah. And the answer is, no, no, you don't need a new spouse. You need a new marriage. Mm -hmm. And you can have a new marriage with the same spouse. Yeah. Well, hello, this is Mark and Grace Driscoll with the Real Marriage Podcast, and we are doing a series on Genesis, and this is part three of Adam and Eve. We're answering the question, what are the four biggest causes of marital pain? And um, I just got a Bronco. I'll share this story. I, That's I, painful? No, 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 oh, okay. no, 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 okay. no, no, no. I love the Bronco's amazing. <laughs> It says in Revelation, Jesus is coming back riding a white horse. He's probably in a white Bronco, not like OJ's, but more like <laughs> mine. And uh, and one of the cool things, you were driving the Bronco with me recently, is that it's got this huge screen in it. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like an iPad. And on it is the manual. Used to We used to have to kill trees to get a manual <laughs> for how to run a vehicle. And what I love about it, you can just scroll through it and it tells you exactly how everything works. And when yeah. I first got in the Bronco... I had no clue. I couldn't get the lights on. I couldn't I couldn't figure anything you out. You needed the owner's manual. I did the owner's manual. And lo and behold, if you do what the manual says, it works. It works perfect. <laughs> it's amazing. So when it comes to marriage, um, the Bible is God's owner's manual. It's like, hey, this is, I made marriage. I created it. I'll tell you how it works. And if you do it, you know, the way I tell you to do it, it's actually going to work. If you don't do it that way, uh, you're going to end up in the ditch. And so the... Uh, kind of the owner's manual from God for marriage is in Genesis chapter two. And it's, um, it's Moses breaking in and commenting on marriage. And it's something that's so significant. I'll read it in a moment that Jesus quotes it in the new Testament and Paul quotes it. So Moses, well, the Holy spirit ultimately writes it through Moses. If Jesus quotes it and Paul quotes it and they keep pointing back to it, that tells you it's super, super, super important. Deserves being repeated. Yeah, it's very important. So Genesis 2, uh, 24, you want to read it, babe? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Or as I like to call it, the Texas international version, naked. Mm-hmm. They were naked without shame. So uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans has got a great teaching on this called The Four Laws of Love. He's mm-hmm. got a, His book is outstanding, super practical yes. and helpful. And if you want to dive deeper into this, we'd wholeheartedly recommend The Four Laws of Love by Pastor Jimmy. Um, but what God is saying is these are the priorities in sequence and order. And if you will follow the manual, it will work. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is, and so conversely, these would be the four causes of most marital pain. If you violate any one of these laws or get them out of order, that's when marriage gets very, very painful. So the first is a uh, law of priority, leave your mother and father. We know that this was written 
for us. It was written to Adam and Eve, but he couldn't have been speaking to them because they didn't have didn't a mother mom or, or dad. Yeah, mom or a dad or mm-hmm. a belly button or a, mm-hmm. you know, for them doing the family tree was pretty easy. Um, <laughs> and so what this means is first and foremost, um, for you to start your new family, you need to change your priorities in relationship to the people and things that were in your life prior. And oftentimes what happens is before you get married, uh, let, let me just, so let's, let's use one of our kids. Let's use, uh, we won't name any, but we've got, we got two kids that are married and we've got uh, one in college, one heading into college and one in high school. So let's take the youngest the high school kid. What would his priorities be right now? Doing well in high school. <laughs> okay. So first relationship, first God. Mm-hmm. So we want to be a Christian and, uh, and then he needs to be in relationship with his you know, his parents, parents. He needs to honor and obey his mother and father and siblings and siblings and his kind of his role and responsibility is mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. So you got to get up, you got to go, you got to pay attention and, uh, and you got to graduate. So yep. those are his priorities for our married kids. Those were their priorities until they got married and then their priorities shifted. So mm-hmm. for our married kids, you know, honoring and obeying their mother and father is not not the highest priority. So for our married kids, what would their relational priorities be? It's always God first and then their husband or wife. Yeah. And so you and I, we got moved. And, uh, you know, I, so like with our, our married daughter, I was the most important man in her life until I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I had to get repositioned. Um, her husband is now her highest priority. And my goal is that they would have the best friendship and marriage they possibly can. And what I can't do is look at him and say, hey, I was here first. <laughs> or, you know, I had a good 20 some year run of being the most important <laughs> man in her life. And so, you know, when we're raising our kids, the whole goal is to raise them to be married, knowing that we are a relational priority. But once they get married, the relational priorities shift. Yep. and. uh Honestly, I think um, I think I'm doing better at this than I thought I was going to do. <laughs> when you've got a daughter and all of a sudden she's got a husband, you've got to understand like my my role in place has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and how hard is it sometimes though, not only to leave your mother and father, but to let your for the mother and father to let you leave? Yeah, I think that can be harder sometimes. Um, Codependency can always play a role in that on either side, which can be uh, unfortunate. But um, yeah, I think if the merit if the parent's marriage is good, then it's not as hard to let your kids go. But if you are dependent on your any of your kids for your joy and happiness, um, then it makes it all the more challenging to let them go. And I think there is a a normal grieving process. It's not like a death grieving, but a, like you said, you're in a new place in their life. And so there's a bit of a grieving just because you've invested so much for so long in them. And now they're transferring um, into a new relationship, but it's for a good thing as long as they are marrying a believer and um, planning on loving and walking with the Lord together as a couple. It's actually a very beautiful thing. So for us, it was a shift. There was some emotional challenge in in it, not for bad reasons, but for good reasons. And then now there's a lot of joy in seeing them Mm -hmm. flourish as couples. And leaving your mother and father means 
physically moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it means financially figuring mm-hmm. out your own stuff. It doesn't mean your parents mm-hmm. can't help you and help you get a house or get established, mm-hmm. but you're, you're a responsible adult. And just practically, like you got to find your own job. You got to, you know, wash your own car. You got to pay your own bills. You Mm got to figure out how to do your own laundry. You got (laughs) to figure out some stuff. And um, college is like a half step. So Mm -hmm. we've got a kid in college. And so part of the year he's at school, part of the year he's home. He's not fully financially independent. He is working. He's good with his money. But as long as he's in school, he's not fully launched. And so you know, college is like a half step. But the the, the first place that uh, causes marital pain is when the husband, the wife, and or the extended family or former friends don't agree with the priorities, mm-hmm. the new priorities. And sometimes uh, dysfunctional family systems will put a lot of pressure on a married couple to uh, have the extended family set their priorities. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they'll try and control with finances or with information or access um, and or they'll try and divide the married couple trying to get one to align with them Mm -hmm. against their spouse. There becomes a lot of division that can happen. Mm -hmm. And in this as well, um, you know, when you're single, your friends are a priority. You get married, your single friends are no longer in that same position. You may have um, some hobbies and some people you enjoy doing things with, and then you get married, priorities shift. You no longer have time and energy for that. Extended family, similarly. And so um, how hard is it, though, for a couple if the usually it's the extended family or an unhealthy member of the extended family, maybe it's mom or dad, they keep trying to put themselves as the priority. They, they want to be, you know, we need to do vacation together. We need to do holidays together. You need to run that by us. You know, you need to get our approval. Uh, you need to consider us. You need to work around us. What does that do to a, a married couple when other people don't honor those boundaries and priorities? Well, it keeps them from becoming their own family um, because they're always feeling pressured to be part of the family they grew up with. And it, it doesn't help their marriage become stronger. It pulls at one of them to stay with the extended family and you should do everything you can to encourage the marriage to be strong. Um, not necessarily still connected in the same way to the extended family. And so it can be very hard on the couple. Um, the pressure can feel overwhelming at times. And sometimes there are cultures that the way they see marriage and family isn't biblical. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, when you get married, you know, we're adding someone to our family. It's no, no, no. We're launching you to start your own family. Yep. And, and, and so that leads to the second point, And that is the law of pursuit that the husband uh, is going to hold fast to his wife in the, mm-hmm. some translations would say cleave. It's, it's a little bit of archaic language, but what it means is, actively, aggressively, intentionally pursue. Mm -hmm. And so it's like your energy and your focus is not going toward a whole bunch of relationships. Mm -hmm. It's really toward your spouse becomes uh, where your energy goes. And, and if you don't allow that, so that the first law sets up, um, I'm leaving my mother and father, I'm creating new boundaries, Mm -hmm. I'm an independent adult, I'm going to make my own decisions. 
if my parents are wise and godly or my friends or extended family are wise and godly, I'll invite them in. I'll seek them for wise counsel. I'll have them praying for me. Uh, But if they're going to overstep their bounds, if they're going to insert themselves, if they're going to tell us what to do or try and control us through fear or finances, then we're going to have some clear boundaries Mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. Um, But the goal is that you would start a brand new family. And so Mm -hmm. maybe even use our married kids as an example. What does that mean that they're, they're, you know, like they're, they're not marrying into our family, but they're starting their own family. Yeah. I mean, they're living independently of us. They have their relationship where they do things together. They don't have to spend every holiday or, or, you know, run every decision by us. Um, they tell us information that they want us to know. We aren't going digging for information. Um, we offer whatever, you know, help they want regularly and encourage them, but we don't, we don't ever insert ourselves when they haven't asked us to be. Yeah. And one of the couples, they, they'll share more information. The other couple share less information. Mm-hmm. Different couples say, this is what we're going to share. This is where you're welcome. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I don't, I would never show up to their house. Right. If they invited us, I would go. Otherwise, yep. I'd never show up. They can show up at our house anytime they want. You don't impose. Yeah, mm-hmm. try not to. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to holidays, like, here's our plan. You're welcome. Yep. But if you don't want to come or you want to do something else, you, you, it's your family. You make your decision. Our door is open. Our life is open. You're always welcome. But we're not offended if you don't yeah. don't show up. And um, and we just even had that recently with uh, – we had Easter and then we all got together for you know Easter brunch. And one of the couples that's married is like, hey, we're taking a break heading mm-hmm. out of town. Great. Yep. You're a family. Yep. You get to make your decisions. Go mm-hmm. do that. We love you. God bless you. And uh, – if you change your mind, you're always welcome. Yeah. Um, but what happens then is um, if you don't allow the couple to be a family and make their own decisions and their own traditions, what you end up doing is you end up really damaging that marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're putting, let's say, let's say it's a child, you're putting your child between sort of their birth family and their newly married family, and they're really torn in a lose-lose yeah. where they're going to suffer great pain or loss on either side. They're trying to honor, but they don't have to obey still. <laughs> well, yeah, really dysfunctional parents will weaponize the Bible and say, you need to obey your mother and father. It's like, yeah, the word there is for children. Little children. Is little children, not grown children. So like if if I'm 80 and I'm telling our kids who are <laughs> in their late 50s, need to obey your father, it's not talking about that. Correct. Um, <laughs> but where it causes a lot of pain then is you, you haven't as a couple defined, this is what our family is and does. This Mm -hmm. is how we make our decisions. And there is a boundary. There is a line to where that's extended family, but it's not immediate family. And there's a difference between immediate family and extended family. And, uh, and what this leads to as well, at some point it leads to a lot of conflict Mm -hmm. and it means that the holidays become very painful the vacations become very painful. The times that you should be making memories and setting traditions as a married couple become points of pain or conflict. Because mm-hmm. it's like the the extended family is usually intruding and telling us what to do, and it makes it really dreadful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it becomes worse when kids enter the picture. So, so making that. those yeah. decisions early on and what you want your marriage to look like and how you want to celebrate different you know, opportunities throughout the year um, and 
and how you want to communicate with family and all that. All that is helpful to come to those decisions as a married couple so that then you can hold to that and keep that boundary. You can always loosen up a boundary, but if you start with no boundaries, it's a lot harder to put them in place. And so when kids come and you're trying to make those decisions and you don't have any boundaries, then you're pulling kids every direction that you feel like you're supposed to go with extended family and it's exhausting and it's not fun for the kids. It's not fun for you. It's not building your marriage. Um, so really coming to some decisions and you can change those from year to year if you want. You don't have to, you know, stick to one if you feel like that wasn't helpful. Um, but yeah, discussing those boundaries and discussing those things that build your marriage specifically. And then that leads to the third, which is a lot of partnership. He says that they'll become uh, one. One. A cod. And that, yeah, that word there is really significant in the in the Hebrew, not to totally nerd out. It's one. It's the same word that's used in Deuteronomy 6, 4. The hear us throw the Lord our God, he is one. Mm -hmm. And so the husband and the wife are to be one, kind of like the Father, Son, and Spirit are mm -hmm. one God. Uh, you are to become one. Now, um, what's really weird in our day we're seeing even Christians not being one. Mm -hmm. You'll see people that live in different cities and are still married. Mm -hmm. You'll see people that attend different churches. You'll see people that sleep in different bedrooms. You'll mm -hmm. see people that have completely separate finances and they don't even really talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not really one because uh, they haven't put everything together. Right. And why is it so important, but why is it all so complicated and hard if you're going to be one to put it all together so you, you have one life? Well, because that's what God commands. He said, they shall become one flesh. And that includes where they live, their bed, their bank, their church, their schedule. Um, but it's, it's hard, right? If you're selfish. Yeah, but that's the point is marriage is serving one another and it gets rid of selfishness if you <laughs> allow it to. But if it's to. two selfish people mm -hmm. and they're like, well, what does it mean to be one? It's not which one, it's a new one. That's right. Take so sacrifice on both do, parts. How do we do our finances? Mm -hmm. How do we you know, mm -hmm. do our schedule? How do we do our vacations? Mm -hmm. How do we do our holidays? Uh, where do we go to church? Mm -hmm. And uh, And it's putting life together so that literally you are... One, but what happens in our culture, oftentimes it's two selfish people and the result is they just put together parallel lives rather than one. Yeah, which isn't marriage. No, and um, but, but let me ask you this. So to be one, uh, it negates against independence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's okay to be strong and have strengths, um, but to be independent from one another is not... That's not what God says. So I I think that's 100% bullseye is in a marriage, being a strong personality is not a problem. It's an independent personality that is a problem. Mm -hmm. So I'll ask a question. You're free to answer honestly. And if I don't like it, we'll edit it out. So <laughs> which one of us has a really strong personality? Well, we both do. Amen, um, But yours is more evident probably to people. Yeah. But would you say you're a strong personality? You have strong opinions. Yeah. You yeah. have strong convictions. I don't always vocalize them to everybody, but yes, I do have strong convictions and opinions. Yes, I would. <laughs> I would. I would testify that you do. <laughs> and for us, both of us are strong personalities with strong convictions. 
But that's not a problem as long as we're one and we come to agreement and we work it out together. Yep. If we uh, were independent, both of us being strong personalities, I don't think we'd be married. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I don't think the marriage would have, I mean, we're going to have 30 years of faithful marriage this year. I don't think it would have made it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what happens in a marriage, it's like, well, you're just too strong. No, no, no. That's not the problem. Independence. Mm-hmm. Yep. And stubbornness. And stubbornness. And so the first way that a marriage really uh, gets a lot of pain, you don't really leave your mother and father. Mm-hmm. You don't really, you know, launch as an independent adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a codependent relationship or financial dependent relationship. Number two, you don't put all your energy into your spouse. Mm-hmm. Someone or something cuts in line and takes it. Number three, you're not one. You're more stubborn and more independent and more selfish. And the two of you have not figured out how to put life together. And then it culminates with what Pastor Jimmy calls a lot of purity, naked without shame. And it's interesting because basically this marriage manual in Genesis 2.24 is that sex is the result Good sex Mm -hmm. is the result of getting the other things in in right order. Mm -hmm. It's like ready, aim, fire. It's like you got to get it in sequence. Um, Naked without shame is possible if you've left your mother and father, you're actively pursuing one another, and you're doing life together, Mm -hmm. then sexual intimacy and freedom is going to occur because it's in a safe context. Mm -hmm. Explain how important that is for a woman that she knows He's left his mother and father. He's a grown man. Uh, he's pursuing me and uh, we are one. Uh, we're doing everything together. We're, we're one. I, I can trust that he and I are not adversaries, but we're allies. Yeah. I mean, it brings security to a woman. She knows that emotionally and relationally um, she's being looked after as far as he cares about her emotions, her well-being. He actually wants to be with her. He wants to be one with her. He's pursuing his responsibilities as a man. Um, it's it's key to being one flesh. And for a man, you know, in the priority, or it's she's left her mother and father. And sometimes it's very hard for a woman to emotionally draw new boundaries with her mom because if you have a healthy relationship with your mom and you're a woman, you know, you run everything by her. You, talk and cry mm-hmm. and pray and process. Mm-hmm. And then you get your husband. He's like, Hey, we need to talk. We need to pray. Mm-hmm. You can't just start with yeah. your mother. You got to start with me. We, we need to start, you know, we need to have some, some healthy boundaries with mom. And then for the husband, if he feels like a, a lot of the energy is going towards someone or something other than the marriage, mm-hmm. usually it's the children. Mm-hmm. Then that becomes another pain point. Yep. And if they're not one, if she's got her stubbornness and her independence um, then it makes it very hard for a man to really be sexually attracted to and desirous of his wife because outside of the bedroom, he feels disrespected. Mm-hmm. And so disrespect outside of the bedroom affects desire in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times marriages will have a, a, they'll have a sexual problem, but the result starts outside of the bedroom and then it manifests itself in the bedroom. Yeah. Um, and these are God's intended order of priority. And the problem in, is in our culture, we've inverted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're like, uh, sleep together and then live together and then maybe get married. Yeah. You do your life your way. I'll do my life my way. We'll live together and try it out. But you're not practicing being married because you're not 
one. Well, in the the statistics for couples who cohabitate before marriage, meaning you you still have two last names, you still have two bank accounts, you still have two lives, but you're living and sleeping together. If they do get married, the divorce rates are high. Mm -hmm. The couples that have statistically the lowest divorce rates, according to Bradford Wilcox and other sociologists, are the couples who actually do it God's way. Mm -hmm. They leave their mother and father. They they then, you know, pursue marriage. They put their marriage together as one and they don't start living and sleeping together as one until they're married. Those have the lowest divorce rates. But in our culture, we've got it completely upside down and backwards. So what would your encouragement be to a couple that's just realized the reason we're having a lot of problems, we did all of this out of order Mm -hmm. and we did it wrong. And most couples, that's the case. And we we started sleeping together and we had to stop. So we had it all backwards. We didn't get it right the first time. Acknowledge the sin, acknowledge that you started wrong and you're, or you're doing something wrong, acknowledge it with the Lord and seek wisdom and how to recreate, restart, reboot, and get back on track with God's order of things and repent. So and, even if you've been married 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, we need to just, we need to have a real conversation about how do we leave our mother and father? Yeah. You know, meaning they've got their family, we got our family. Um, how do we take our energy and put it toward our marriage? not other people and things. And we love our kids. We want to mm-hmm. raise our kids, but our marriage is our first priority. And what are the areas in our life that we're not one, that we've just kind of yeah. been stubborn and independent. We just sort of stick to our our own. And, um, you know, as a pastor, I see this oftentimes at church. I, I'll see this with with even guys. It's like, hey, uh, tell me about your wife. Oh, well, she, she goes to another church. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you guys have got a serious problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if you can't even... If you can't even hold hands in the same church, like there's a serious problem. Yes. Um, and um, and then ultimately, uh, if you're not regularly intimate, naked without shame, healing from past trauma and pursuing new pleasures, your marriage is in a crisis spot. And so usually in most marriages, they didn't do it according to God's divine design mm-hmm. and his owner's manual. It's not working. And they keep trying to make minor adjustments, which doesn't work. And I guess what we're encouraging you is it's just, it may just be time to just go to Genesis 2.24 and just say, you know what, let's just do, not not that we get divorced, but like, let's just start over. Let's like, if we were to do this right, what would this look like? And then make those practical adjustments. And we had to do that because we got it wrong. Yeah. um, New marriage, same spouse. Yeah. And that, that's what a lot of times people say is, I need a new marriage. No, no, no. I need a new spouse rather. And, yeah, and the answer is, no, no, you don't need a new spouse. You need a new marriage. Mm-hmm. And you can have a new marriage with the same spouse. Yeah. Yep. So let me close with this. If it's hard conversations with extended family who really don't want you to leave your mother and father, mm-hmm. who don't want you to start your own family, who don't want you to be one, um, they really want you to be connected to them. Uh, who should have the conversation with each side of the family? The With their own parents. So me with my parents, you with your parents, your side of the family, um, generally. I mean, if there's, if the wife has like a, a physically abusive family or something like that, then the man needs to protect but her as a, general that, but rule, as a general rule. What happens yeah. if like I were to go engage your family, you were to go engage mine. Like, Hey guys, these are the rules. You guys are over it. Then you look like the bully or someone who's, you know, domineering over the wife and you made the decision and she's maybe not on board. That would be the, 
yeah. the guests of the family. They're so. a control freak. They're mm-hmm. trying to steal, you right. know, our baby from us. Right. So it's, yeah. So I would go talk to my side of the family. Thankfully, I don't have to. So mm-hmm. thank you, mom yeah, and dad no, we for have being great with us. Families, yeah. And and if there was an issue, you would go talk mm-hmm. to your mom. Your dad's yeah. passed away, but thankfully your mom's yeah. great. And, and we don't have to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. But we would encourage you guys have the conversation together and then game plan the conversation with the people you need to have it with mm-hmm. so that you can live according to God's priorities. And what you will find is unhealthy people are going to throw a fit. Yeah. Unhealthy people are going to make demands. Unhealthy people are going to create a hostage situation where they get everyone else involved. Mm-hmm. But you, if you're saying, well, the reason we've never had this conversation or drawn these boundaries is we don't want all the drama, mm-hmm. then what you're saying is we're going to deal with decades of pain mm-hmm. rather than maybe days of drama. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll pray. Father, I pray for the couples to have the conversation about maybe the ways that they didn't architect it right and they're not working according to the owner's manual of Genesis 20. 224 for marriage. Uh, Pray God for a lot of grace in those conversations. Uh, But God, some of them are breaking bad habits. Some of them are breaking generational curses. Some some of them are needing to uh, to, to really just start fresh because the way that their family does marriage and family, it's not not healthy and it's not working. And God, we would just submit to you that that's kind of the American problem or maybe the global problem. Marriages aren't doing great. Uh, Generations are not blessed. Families are not healthy. And there's a lot of brokenness and there's a lot of crisis. And as a result, God, sometimes we can settle for less than what you would call us to. Uh, But I pray for the couples, Lord, that they would lovingly, graciously, humbly seek your best and draw the lines and start the habits and have the conversations that need to be had so that they can be obedient to you in Jesus' good name. Amen. Amen. 